this is the in focus podcast from the hindu welcome to the hindus in focus podcast i'm zubeda hamid your host for today every headline over the past few weeks has been about the staggering rise in prices of not just tomatoes but also potatoes onions rice tur dal and milk The steep hike in prices is affecting residents across the country. It changes the amount of food we can afford to buy, what we cook, and what we put on our plates and finally eat. Nutritionists and doctors have long called for healthy diets, combining an adequate amount of carbohydrates, fats, proteins to keep our bodies fit and healthy, to ward away diseases, and to prevent non-communicable diseases such as diabetes and hypertension. The cost of fruits, meats and fish, sources of fiber, protein and other nutrients have always been high in our country. But when the price of basic vegetables also shoots up, what happens to our diets? How does an increase in food prices affect how healthy our diets are? Do we eat more unhealthily when foods are more expensive? Why are healthy foods so expensive? And do our food policies need an urgent rethinking to make them more affordable? We discuss these questions and more with Dr. Deepa Sinha, an assistant professor at the School of Liberal Studies, Dr. B. R. Ambedkar University, who has written extensively on issues related to public policy, health, and nutrition. Good morning, and welcome to the Hindus in Focus podcast, Deepa Sinha. Good morning, Deepa. The recent surge in the prices of vegetables, especially tomatoes, which everyone is talking about. but also potatoes and other food items like tur dal milk and sugar have made headlines for the past few weeks tell us how this price rise has an effect on the food that we consume and our diets so uh, before getting into the recent surge i think uh, just to get the context what we also have to realize that the food prices in india particularly of the non cereal items are generally high relative to the incomes that people earn so affordability of food has been quite low and in that context when some prices increase suddenly you see that people uh, substitute with other foods and do not consume those uh, things because they uh, form a large proportion of their income so uh, if it's certain vegetables then you just stop eating those vegetables it could be substituted with others but we've seen that when prices of uh milk and uh, oil and pulses things like this increase which need to be consumed at a regular interval then the diets of people become less varied and they become cereal heavy does this mean that the diets become unhealthier um yes so a healthy diet would be one uh, as in the case of india the indian council of medical research recommends it or across the world which has a good balance of all the macro and micronutrients so you would need carbohydrates proteins and fats amongst the macronutrients then with fruits and vegetables and so on to give the fiber and the micro uh, so if if it's heavy on only any one of these elements then that's not very healthy from the point of view of the nutrition that the body should be getting and therefore we see problems both in terms of undernutrition as well as what's called overnutrition or um you know deficiencies in certain micronutrients which cause other kinds of uh, health conditions tell us specifically what happens for instance when we are going through a price rise like we are now so right now we know that tomatoes are more expensive potatoes tur dal sugar oil tea uh, even milk so what happens in such a situation so when there is a price rise like i was saying the way we have to look at price rises in terms of what it is doing to the real incomes of people 
and given that for a large majority of indians a big proportion of their income is spent on food the increase in food prices means that their real incomes are going down now when you when your real incomes are down and you have to choose what you'll consume food is obviously your first priority and the, and keeping yourself not hungry is your first priority so what we see is that in terms of coping mechanisms one of the first things that households do is to change their food uh, consumption patterns in a way where they are consuming less expensive foods uh, which are still filling and therefore you see as you go down the economic ladder the diets are largely uh, cereal based both because they are uh, of course they are the staples they are relatively cheaper and the public distribution system also provides them so what we see these images of diets just being roti and chutney or rice and uh, salt and uh, maybe onions this is the kind of diet uh, that is predominant and everything else comes in only when you can afford it So tur dal for instance is an important source of protein correct especially in India where many households are vegetarian so when this goes up do we lose an important source of protein um yes so uh, dal is the main source of protein in India and uh, that also has to do uh, i mean it is true that there are a number of households in India that are vegetarian but that is still a minority and in many states a very small minority but even so even families that are non vegetarian even for them uh, dal often is the main source of protein because non vegetarian items the animal proteins are even more expensive so when this source as well becomes expensive then again what we have seen in our field surveys and it's common in most studies is that the first few start with reducing the quantity of dal so you might have it in your meal but it is more watery more diluted and then of course the frequency in which it is consumed also reduces in terms of the number of uh, days in a week that pulses are consumed and this has a serious uh, consequence because like we said it is the main source of protein so particularly for children having so little protein affects their growth as well so you said that when price trial prices go up our diets become more cereal heavy how does this play into whatever body needs you said that even as per icmr and as per global standards we need a certain amount of proteins what happens when these micronutrients that are available in vegetables are not part of our diets on a regular basis so like i said again i'm not a nutritionist but from what i've understood and this is something all of us are taught even in primary school that you have to eat a balanced diet because the ba- body requires these different nutrients for different functions and you require them in a balance so when you are not when you're consuming a cereal heavy diet you have other kinds of deficiencies that come out for instance the levels of anemia in india are very high uh, or you have uh, various other vitamin uh, deficiencies it's also about how well the body is able to absorb the nutrition that it is getting as well as immunity to infections and so on which again feeds into uh under nutrition if you are uh, again especially in the case of children if they're more prone to infections because their diets are poor then they once they get the infections then that results in further under nutrition so that is a cycle also between malnutrition and illness tell us a little bit more about the background of the price rise deepa So price rise uh, has many reasons the, the current tomato price rise is a particular case which has to do also with the tomato crop this time 
so we see if we again break it into these broad food groups uh, we've been seeing uh, even cereal uh, price increases the last couple of years which has to do with both global factors as well as domestic to do with the uh, the production which has been affected by climate change unseasonal rains early heat waves then a larger uh, reason of inputs becoming more expensive which also has to do with the ukraine uh, russia the the russian invasion of e- ukraine so there is that whole global scenario in the cases of in case of pulses and oils particularly because we are import dependent we are not self sufficient in these two and these are again essentials a lot of global volatility in prices gets passed on to india and finally in case of fruits and vegetables uh, it's a whole different set of issues it is seasonality as well as uh, uniform availability not being there across the country which is to do with on the one hand seasonality but also uh, issues like transportation access to the markets uh, cold storage and so on and then there are certain political economy in uh, issues for certain crops like onions where there are cartels so it's a complex issue because of which we see at different times different prices increasing even though we see price rises from time to time like you said do we particularly have a problem in india with fruits and sources of animal protein always being priced higher so uh, like i was saying uh, earlier um, in terms of how do you determine whether they priced higher you would determine that in terms of relative to the incomes that people earn what is the level of prices so if you look at the studies which have looked at a cost of a healthy diet in india uh, whether it was by uh, fao or the international food policy research institute normally what these studies find is that it is indeed true uh, that these items are expensive relative to what people uh earn because of which they are not able to afford what is known as uh, healthy diets so if you want a one line answer yes they are more expensive than they should be fruits for instance uh fish and animal sources of protein uh have we always had this issue in india we have had this issue uh yes that they are so for example in case of milk uh you have these uh, stories of how people even people who do produce and sell milk don't consume milk but sell it in the market why do they do that again because of how expensive it is and what the opportunity costs are so this accessible i mean affordability of animal proteins and fruits has been it is expensive and that is reflected again in our diet uh, dietary surveys where you see that the consumption is also quite low particularly of fruits Tell us a little bit about how the universal distribution system like the PDS basically government's policies making rice and other staples available at ration shops how does this play into our diets So we have the public distribution system which now under the NFSA covers a uh, little over 60% of the population given the current uh, population estimates uh, which gives uh, rice and wheat and in very few places also millets of 5 kilograms per person per month at highly subsidized prices and since uh, the last couple of months uh, in fact for free uh, what they do is uh, multiple things firstly that uh, as you can see that the basket of goods that the pds provides nationally has only cereals but it ensures that basic food security uh, in the household because like we've been discussing that is the main food item right it's first you eat the staples and then you start adding on to it 
but that is not to say well so there are two things elements to this firstly even uh, it gives cereals but that does, that also could have a positive effect on consumption of other food items because what it does is that it's also an implicit food tra- income transfer so when you're giving the cereals the money that people would have spent on cereals because that you would in any case is now free for them to buy uh, dal or buy milk or eggs or uh, vegetables and fruits and so on then we also have some state governments which within the pds give dal and uh, edible oil as well uh, so broadly there is a criticism that the pds is cereal heavy which doesn't mean that it's giving too much cereal which basically means that along with cereal it could also give these other items so that you have a more uh, it moves towards a greater diversity in the diets because that is a problem in indian diets overall is it a problem in indian diets do we not eat enough diverse food yeah so whatever little data that we have on diets uh, which also we don't have from very recent times to show that dietary diversity is quite poor in indian diets uh, that they are cereal heavy for instance there was the comprehensive national nutrition survey but these surveys uh, are only telling us frequency in terms of our people consuming certain items once a week or uh, less than once a week and so on that itself shows that the diversity is poor if we get into the quantities it would probably be even worse overall in in general terms what do indians consume the most we consume rice and cereals as you said and also dals but also what else is the is the ratio that we consume of food and of fruits and vegetables and other sources of protein very low compared to say somebody else from another uh, uh, country such as india so that that's what i was trying to say that so in any diet carbohydrates would be the largest proportion so that wouldn't be the way to look at it the way to look at it would be in comparison to what are the norms how much of each food that you should be consuming so our gaps are least in cereal consumption and the gap increases as you go to other macro and micro uh, nutrients the sources of which will be different even in india and different parts of the uh, country who would you say deepa has the healthiest diet in india which which group of people or which state i mean it's difficult for me to say uh of hand like this i we don't have the dietary data also but it we do know it, with whatever data we have that it, the richer the upper caste have better diets because like i've been saying it has a lot to do with affordability it's about how much incomes real incomes you have and what you're able to consume so as you go higher up the economic ladder the uh, diets are better usually and then of course there are the intersectionalities of caste and within the household uh, there are some studies which look at whether uh, women get an equal share of the food in the household in terms of quantity and quality but usually it's seen that when there is enough then the distribution is uh, better there are also regional patterns so the, you have for instance in the northeast of india where it's quite common to have uh, animal protein as part of every meal you do see that there's much more consumption of non vegetarian food items than compared to let's say uh, a state like rajasthan or gujarat where there is a larger proportion consuming vegetarian food and therefore obviously uh, these items are uh, smaller in uh, in proportion in in their contribution to the overall diet but it is very closely related to the economic status uh, just one point that i want to add here is then when we look at the dietary patterns of very young children then there is an added element uh, which is of course 
a large part of it is to do with affordability and availability, but also uh, probably behavioral, because if you look at the National Family Health Survey, uh, according to that, only about 12 to 13 percent of children under two are receiving what the WHO defines as an adequate diet. Does this play out in health patterns as well, in the sense that the richer, more economically stable states in India are healthier than the less than the poorer states? Um, sure, particularly in case of undernutrition, it does. It's very visible, uh, where you do see that the levels of stunting or underweight or wasting are lower in states which have better dietary patterns and which have a higher consumption of uh, animal protein. So you do see that. And there's a clear gradient by wealth as well in all these uh, outcomes. What is uh, kind of relevant here as well is the other end uh, of the malnutrition spectrum, which is obesity and overweight, which also we see increasing in India. And that, uh, as of now, is more concentrated amongst the higher the upper uh, classes. Uh, but you do see that things like hypertension and diabetes, which are also related to poor diets uh, to some extent, is not concentrated only amongst the rich. It's amongst the poor as well. So we have both a problem of inadequate diets, but also uh, the quality of diets across the income spectrum. We've been talking a little bit about the PDS, the public distribution system and ration shops and how uh, there are criticisms that what is available there is cereal heavy because you mostly get rice at subsidized costs. The central government is now giving a huge push to millets for both production and consumption. Do you think this will help promote healthy diets? I think it's very good if uh, millet consumption increases. That's one of the aspects uh, to diversifying the diet. There's certain millets, different millets have a higher concentration of different micronutrients. Some of them have greater fiber. They're less processed usually uh, than white rice and or flour, wheat flour. So all of that makes it a good idea to have them within your diets. And it is one of the ways to encourage people to consume millets as well as to improve the production of millets would be through including it in the PDS. So I think that is a good idea if it can be done. Talk to us a little bit about how policies, uh, from what uh, we know, all health experts call for making healthier diets more accessible and therefore more affordable. Talk to us a little bit about what policies could go towards ensuring this. We would need a combination of policies. So ultimately, what we eat on our plate is a result of all aspects of uh, what is called the food system, right? From the field to the time it comes on our plate. So uh, I might miss some, but I'm just telling you what comes to my mind. The first, if we start from the production end, we just discussed millets. There would be, uh, I would say that we would require similar kind of interventions in the case of pulses and oil seeds as well, because like I was saying, we are dependent on imports for these, which was not the case, uh, let's say, 40 years back. Uh, so uh, how can we encourage the production of these and then uh, processing them, bringing them into the market? Uh, we need systems there. And this is really uh, essential, uh, both from the point of view of improving people's diets, as well as in terms of interventions in agriculture, because it, crop, crop diversification is a good thing. These crops are largely grown by small marginal farmers. They take up less water and so on. So there are multiple reasons why these crops need to be uh, promoted. 
Then in the case of fruits and vegetables, again, you need not just that, but a lot of post-harvest kind of infrastructure and support that those crops need in terms of storage, in terms of transportation, because they're highly perishable. Uh, what are the those systems also need to be in place? All of this would contribute to stabilizing the prices and increasing the availability in the market. The broader thing would be increasing affordability, not just through dealing with the availability and prices of foods, but also, of course, everything that's happening in the economy in terms of how much employment is available, what are the incomes that people are earning, that also has an effect on this. So it's a combination of things of improving people's economic status, uh, improving availability and accessibility in the market, then direct whatever is directly given in the form of food, whether it be PDS or even through the Anganwadis and the school midday meals, uh, you, by having diverse meals, local foods included in these meals, you're not only making those accessible to poor children, but you're also improving their dietary habits by making them habitual to eating uh, fruits, eating vegetables, eating eggs and so on. So all of this needs to be thought together. So along with uh, getting the macronutrients and all of these food items uh, into people's diets, in India, we also need to start talking, thinking quite seriously about the increasing consumption of processed and particularly ultra-processed foods, foods with high fats, uh, sugar and salts, uh, because we have very poor regulation of these foods. On the other hand, it is being observed that it's not only the super rich who are consuming these foods, but even amongst the poor, uh, often these foods are sometimes cheaper and more accessible than healthy foods. For instance, say a child of a domestic worker in Delhi uh, might have better access to paleji biscuits or Maggi noodles uh, than to a banana or a, or an apple or any fruit. Um, so, and these ha then have an impact on the other spectrum that we were talking about, the non-communicable diseases, the hypertension, the diabetes, and amongst the rich because the quantities are also higher obesity and overweight and so on. So the kind of regulatory mechanisms that are in place to uh, reduce the consumption of these foods along with a whole host of interventions uh, to make healthy food more accessible uh, and affordable uh, is what is needed. So this would need really a broad food system approach to think about people's diets, everything that is going into influencing it. So it, it's not really one policy or one ministry. We have to think of a whole host of issues together. You said a little while ago, Deepa, that even 40 years or so ago, we weren't this dependent on imports. What has happened to change that? And were our diets considerably different, say, two generations ago to what they are now? Are they, un are they unhealthier now, basically? So, uh, in, in I, about imports, I basically talked about it in the context of pulses and oil seeds. And this uh, had quite a bit to do with the role of freeing up, opening up the global uh, trade as part of our WTO commitments and so on, where uh, cheaper uh, pulses and uh, edible oils started to be available and it basically... Uh, displaced our local production. So, for instance, palm oil really is much cheaper compared to the traditional oils uh, uh, that most parts of India used to consume. And so you see the imports of palm oil coming in, blended oils and all of this. So it is part of the uh, process of globalization where the shift happened during a process where no special measures were really taken to protect 
the production of these crops and therefore we see that outcome right now in terms of our health our diets unhealthier now um, again it's difficult to give a yes or no answer because if you just look at it in terms of starvation or in terms of hunger and people not getting food at all i would say that that has definitely improved we do not have that situation of acute hunger which probably existed 50 years back not to say there is no hunger now but there one cannot deny that there has been an improvement in that what has changed however along with this is the quality of the diets like we were saying almost a complete uh, substitution of uh, all kinds of other grains with just rice and wheat across the country uh, much more processed foods um, coming from in packets often and also maybe greater commercialization because of which uh, lesser consumption of foods which one would have which at least in certain parts and in rural areas and forest areas consumption would have happened through free collection and foraging and through the access to community property resources uh, with these diminishing and uh, not being able to afford it in the market those are also items that would have gone down but like i was saying since the last almost 10 15 years we really don't have diet data in india so all this is based on anecdotal evidence small surveys and so on but we need a large scale national level proper dietary data to be able to actually understand these phenomena better would you also say that we are now not eating as our ancestors did in terms of we are not eating locally and seasonally to the extent that we used to does this also play into how our diets uh, are, are now yes they do and that's a global phenomenon right that's why i've been saying that we have to think about the entire food system and it is true that the food system has become more centralized it's more commercialized and therefore there is much more that people consume this is to do with the shift of people out of agriculture as well this change in lifestyles so it's not people are definitely buying more food from the market than what they grow themselves and that would have an effect on the diets that we consume and all of us can think of within our own households talk to our parents and our grandparents the number of packets that come in has definitely gone up right so and seasonality also do we also like uh, look for foods maybe back in the day the certain foods would be available only during a particular season but now we look for them all year round true that is also the case and uh, that's more i think amongst the better off also but it is true that uh, all vegetables being available all year or i live in delhi uh, the number of imported fruits that you see uh, in the market often tasteless but look very good which are even like a guava which uh, are grown in india as well but it's easier to find a Uh, imported guava now than an indian one maybe so definitely that has also happened and and this and i'm just that not saying that it's okay but saying that this is a huge systemic issue not just in india but across the globe which is why we have to completely rethink uh, the food system uh, what would you advise people uh, who are battling with price rises and still want to maintain a healthy diet that's a sort of advice a nutritionist uh, would be given um i mean i can't uh, really advise on individual diets but you, you know all of us are balancing our uh, budgets and trying to get uh, the most that we can out of it uh, the the one advice that everybody gives now is to stay away from 
at least stay away from the ready-made uh, processed foods because they also cause a lot of harm. And that is not known enough, like this whole discussion that's currently going on on warning labels on processed food packets, and that there is a huge industry behind this, which is not allowing it to happen. So we do need more awareness there and to just know that a packet of biscuits, uh, you know, not to fall for uh, the advertising of uh, all these various foods, which say that they're very nutritious, but they come usually with high contents of sugar. Uh, which is not good for the child or the adult whoever is consuming it. So to eat as much fresh food as possible and uh, local and unprocessed. Last question before we sign off, Deepa. How is India placed, uh, would you say, uh, uh, globally in terms of affordability to nutritious and healthy food? So the entire South Asian region, uh, including India, is amongst the worst when it comes to affordability to uh, food. So the latest FAO State of Food Insecurity report says that in India, about 70% of the population in India cannot afford a healthy diet. And how they define this is that if you, it is, this 70% is that proportion of the population whose uh, have to spend more than 52% of their incomes on food if they had to consume a healthy diet, which is that so whatever income you have, if you have to spend more than half of that to only buying food, then food is seen to be unaffordable and 70% of Indians are in that situation. In this estimate, they define a healthy diet as the diet that is defined by the local statutory authority, ICMR in our case, and look at the cheapest sources of those different food groups that that diet recommends. So if we go by that number, then clearly food affordability is a big problem in India. Thank you so much for speaking to us today, Deepa. Thank you. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.